This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! Welcome to a Men in Blazers pod special. An interview with a remarkable Premier League maverick of a manager. A gent who spent 50 years in English football, racking up a record eight promotions and an Omar that less list of beefs along the way, as well as one blistering half-time team talk after another. He's a man who reminds me a little bit of an English Bob Huggins, a gent never happier than when romping round a team of players considered by all others to be broken toys, forging a collective spirit to unfurl an emphatic, crude, yet potent footballing style that can just smite all comers. His last promotion was arguably his most sensational. He came out of retirement, took a beleaguered, unfashionable, unfancied Cardiff City by the scruff of the neck, and then dragged them, as if by force of will, into the Premier League promised land. Against all odds, no one, no one thought it was possible. In this interview, we discuss how he did it, and perhaps just as importantly, why he did it. At Cardiff, and the pod, to me it's really worth listening to, less for the football, and more for the lessons about life. Man management, and the desire to persevere through the roughest waters. Cardiff City will need that desire. They will, as they return to action this weekend against mighty Chelsea at 10am Saturday on NBC Sports Network. But no matter what happens at Cardiff this season, win or lose, if they reach safety or are relegated, the entire campaign will be a lap of glory for my guest, a season of vindication for an oft-maligned man. A gent who's now loved, he is, he's loved by his team, by its fans, by their shirt-tucked-in owner. And whether you love or hate, whether you revere or vilify my guest, if you listen to this pod, indeed listen to the whole of the promoted documentary from which it's taken, that Cardiff City promoted will air September the 30th at 1.30pm. Listen to it, and I think you'll understand him better, because he is, at his heart, a man of passion. Here it is, my interview with Mr. Neil Warnock. Neil Warnock, you are the promotion whisperer, a maestro. Last season's was your eighth promotion, an English record. What's the secret? I never get offered a club unless they're struggling or the bottom of the league or they're getting relegated, so I have to work the other way around to a lot of managers. They used to call me the Red Adair, which people might not remember. He puts oil fires out. I have to go into a club, work out what's wrong, get the dressing room right, and then take the club up. I've done it all my career, really. I enjoy that. I like fighting battles. I enjoy working with, I wouldn't say lesser quality players, but players that probably haven't got the ability of the top flight, making the unit feel like they're together. I expect them to give me everything in the trenches. I always think, do I want him in the trenches with me? And I look at the players that I bring to the club and try and get the character right because we have to have something different to survive. So we have to have the dressing room second to none. 
everybody fighting for each other and looking after each other and I like to enjoy it. I love uh, shots, crosses, goalkeeper saves, I love referee decisions and me having a go at them and it's what I enjoy and why I'm still in it. Collective passion and tenacity, which is the hallmark of last season, which went down to the last day. Amidst the celebrations, you did the Ayatollah and you said something that I found remarkable. You said, I've never seen or heard fans like this in Cardiff. Neil, you've been in football for over 50 years. Long time. What is it that's special? When I came, it was in a mess. They changed the colours of the shirts to, you know, Vincent had made a mistake, the owner, which without realising the damage that was caused, the fans had gone away from the club. Yeah. The players weren't really together at all. So it was a big mess altogether. So to see how quickly we turned it around in the space of sort of 18 months was incredible. I felt really proud. I really enjoyed my last three years. Before Cardiff, I had a few months at Rotherham and we had no chance of getting out of relegation. Six points adrift in the championship. I mean, if you'd seen my group of misfits, it was unbelievable. But we convinced them to get a system and we ended up staying up that year, which was a miracle. And it all came about from my wife, Sharon. She had breast cancer. I'd retired and I was picking the chicken's eggs up and taking the kids on the school run. And I came in one morning, she was having chemotherapy. She was talking to a nurse. I was sat there, but she was talking as if I wasn't there. He never thrumps a cushion when he sits down. When he washes the pots, there's water everywhere. <laughs> I've never seen him make a bed. And that morning... Rotherham chairman, who I used to play with, he rang me and said, will you come and help us out, Neil? And I said, impossible, it's five hours from Cornwall, it's too far. So anyhow, she was rabbiting on to this nurse. So I said, hold on then, darling. I said, Rotherham's chairman's asked me to go till the end of the season. Do you want me to get out from under your legs? And she went, yeah, but we're offline. <laughs> so that's how my retirement ended. And I really enjoyed the Rotherham. To come to Cardiff, I felt a real zest for it, to turn a club that was in chaos into Total something chaos. like this. The yeah. last game of the season, the noise. Vincent being chaired, unheard of when I arrived 18 months ago. All the fans together, old, new. It was amazing. The Welsh anthem, you know, stand hairs on your back. It was really emotional. 19 months earlier, as you say, everything was different when you arrived at Cardiff. They were second to bottom when you took over the team. Get me Warnock, get me the firefighter. The club was fragmented. But you stood up at your first press conference and you said... We're going to get promoted. I knew at Rotherham I didn't really have much chance of getting my eight promotion. There was a great club and I did a great job and they offered me a decent contract. But if I'd have took the contract, it would have been taking it for the money rather than the challenge. And at my age, it's that challenge to try and get that promotion which nobody else had got. I knew Cardiff could give me the tools if they supported me. And it was the chairman, Mehmet Dalman, who I met. We had a conversation, never forget, because... We hadn't talked money or anything. I shook his hand and I said, I'll manage you. There was another club after me that time. And he panicked a little bit and he went out, spoke to Vincent, <laughs> come back. Will you sign something, he says. I said, what? He said, well, will you sign to say you're coming? I said, no, I've shook your hand, Mehmet. I've shook your hand and I'll be there. So anyhow, he got a serviette out and asked me to sign this serviette. <laughs> I said, you don't need to do that. Because it felt right. And at the night time, I remember Sharon ringing me. I said, I'm going to go to Cardiff. She went... Well, you can't believe it, darling. She says, I've been on the websites, on the fans' forum. I said, well, what's wrong with that, don't She went, well, I can't believe it. I said, what can't you believe? She went, everybody likes you. <laughs> she says it's unheard of. But she couldn't believe it, could she? No. It's funny because Neil Warner's got a reputation, but there's not many clubs that have left 
I haven't left in a better situation. The best thing that fans can say to me is, I didn't want you before you come, but I'm glad you're here now. That's the part that I love. I love doing my best for the fans, because it's the fans that I actually thrive on. I actually want them to enjoy. I remember my first game at Sheffield United. I was about four or five, in short trousers with my dad. My dad was a steel worker. He hadn't got a lot of money. My mum had multiple sclerosis, and so he had three kids to look after. But the football was his get-out. And he used to work six till two on a Saturday, come home, we used to rush down to the bus station, down to the ground. In those days, he used to run up to the top, up this big spine cop, they called it, and it was like Mount Everest to me as a kid. The crowd was already in, we were the last in, so he used to say, right, wait down there for me at the end of the game. And they used to put me on the shoulder, boy, come in, and they used to pass me down to the front. Just strangers passing you down to I mean, the now front. Now they'd throw you on the pitch, <laughs> wouldn't they? <laughs> they get, get banned. But that taught you that you understood what football the fans want, which is passionate, yeah. complete effort. The they want to take excitement. That's what they want. They work hard all week to support the club. Some work really hard, and we're very lucky in our jobs, and the players are. So we have to entertain them. And even this season, we're massive underdogs. You'll have seen the bookies. We're odds on to get relegated. I put some money on you. The lowest wage we'll ever Premier League. But, hey-ho, it's going to be an entertainment, and enjoyment. I think we're going to actually have a go. It's nothing to lose. How would you describe the kind of football you play? Warnock football. It's direct, uncompromising. It is, but because it's me, I get tainted with a brush that the players don't deserve. Really. We play a lot more football than people give us credit for, but because it's Neil Warnock, it's easier to bash me. Long ball merchant. I think if you look to Liverpool, they'll probably play as many long balls as what we do. It's how <laughs> I like football. I like football in the other half. I make no bones about it. I can't see when you get a free kick on the halfway line why your centre-halves can't go up and you put the ball in the box. Why do you have to have ten passes? Go back to your keeper when you've got a free kick. I don't understand that. I don't think that's modern football. I just think it's wrong. So I like entertainment. I do like shots, crosses, you know, and things like that. And I try and get a team to have as many as we can. Your management style, it's very longish yard. You like to build a team out of players who've been discarded by almost everybody else. Players who've got a chip on their shoulder. You've said, I know that I can get things out of players that possibly nobody else can. How do you do it? I don't think it's just football. I think that's life in general. Whether you're working for a TV company or a football club or a supermarket, I think the art of management is making somebody feel important and making them feel that they are going to be an important part of that team. And yes, you've got to have ability as well, but if you can bring it all together, I think man management is far more important than qualifications on coaching and all these things, university degrees and all things like that. I do think looking after people and the man management side nowadays is more important. And the mental side as well. A lot of players are struggling on the mental side. In my day, if you got paid, you used to think, well, what worries have they got? But a lot of players get depression there. You don't just have to be a manager. You have to be a psychologist as well. Your half-time team talks, Neil, they're legendary. I mean, describe your approach to them. In America, I think we call them fire and fury. And what I want to know is, how do you decide when you're going to throw the teacup and how do you decide when you're not going to throw the teacup? I don't throw the teacup as much as I did. And my daughter, <laughs> she came home a couple of weeks ago and said, Dad, we're using your half-time team talk at Sheffield United, I think it was, or somewhere, as a motivational thing for our sixth form or the universe, whatever it was. I said, oh, darling, I hope there was some bleep. She said, yeah, there were bleep. Well, I'm pretty 
Spontaneous. I'm always better when I'm off the cuff, really. I don't really know what I'm going to say until I actually stand in front of them and then I babble on. It just comes out. Yeah, it just comes out. It just yeah. pours forth. There's probably one or two main points I have to get over, and I think I'm only going to put those main points over. But you know, I think the only time I've ever asked the players to do something for me was standing up at home. If we win today, I know we'd get promotion. They were all sat around and I said, right, listen, lads, today's not about you lot. I said, today's about you lot doing something for me. I've done everything for you lot this last 18 months. I have given you contracts, I've made you players, I've done this, I've wiped your backsides. I want to win my eighth promotion now. Today's the day we win it. I want my reward today. And they were magnificent to a man I don't think Hull had a shot. That's the way the lads are. They did that for you. But then at the Team Dinner Awards, you got quite emotional, beautifully, and you made a point of toasting every single player individually. But you knew even then, amongst the success, the glory, the victory, that the hard work had to begin almost immediately. You had to prepare for life in the Premier League. Can you talk about that process, that transition from your perspective? It's probably been my hardest summer that I've ever had, as deft as it sounds. Yes, I've got support, but the owner... Decided early doors, we weren't going to throw money at it, we were going to be sensible. I wanted to try and get certain players in straight away, but I think it was important that the club actually put down a base for the future. When Burnley went up the first time, I looked at them and they came straight back down. Yeah. But they put all the blocks in place, they built this trading ground, they did this. The infrastructure. The infrastructure, and they never looked back. So I don't want to go down, but it was important that the club look to the future and think, right, we've got an opportunity now. So, so you're not I'm just not firefighting, you're trying to think about a future. If I could leave my legacy of the training ground, it would be fantastic. Though. You're a huge character. You're working with team owner Vincent Tan, who is also an enormous character. How would you describe him to someone who's never met him? You don't become a successful businessman without knowing what you're doing. Football's the only thing, really, that he's not an expert at, but he thinks he is. When I speak to Vincent, he'll tell me what he should be doing. We have quite a good laugh at this, because at my age, he doesn't bother me. With a young don't, manager, you'd you panic care. when you... You don't care. No. At my age, if I get the sack, that's the worst scenario, and I get another job if I want it. I have quite a laugh with Vincent at times. You know, when we lose a game, he'll WhatsApp me at 3 o'clock in the morning, but I don't turn my phone until 9 o'clock in the morning, so I don't see it. Them, but he has an opinion, etc. But he cares. That's the thing about Vincent. He's put a lot of money in the club over the years and he cares. Mehmet Dalman is the sensible one who's like that all the time. He's not too up and not too down and fantastic character. I couldn't do it without him. And I think Vincent's learnt an awful lot off me as well because experience in any business is vital to be successful. And I think he has learned that sometimes you have to be a little bit patient in certain situations. You sound like a free man who's come back to the game of his own choice, led Cardiff in a way no one thought possible apart from yourself. But you've managed before in the Premier League, Neil. You were sacked by a chaotic Queen's Park Rangers. You were relegated on the last day of a controversial season with Sheffield United, briefly Crystal Palace. But it could be said... You were never really set up to succeed. Do you feel like now with Cardiff, you're like, this is this is it. 69 years of age, this is it. Oh, it's how I envisaged it. The only thing is we've spent 25 million net. Fulham now, they've just spent 100. You look at Wolves who are just in the 70s, and our wage bill is less than half 
of Huddersfield, which is the lowest in the division. So we are miles away from anybody else. But I think it would be appropriate that I have a go at this. Probably my biggest challenge in my life. But the most enjoyable one, I've got 33,000 fans at home behind me. I've got some good players. We need a bit of luck with injuries because we haven't got a big squad. I think we can excite. I think we can put smiles on people's faces. Part of you likes the odds. I mean, The Guardian wrote about your return to the Premier League. He said, Warnock owns a 1958 Massey Ferguson tractor. He loves Motown. He enjoys watching Downton Abbey with a glass of red wine. He's a qualified chiropodist. That's a podiatrist, America. For the fifth time, one of the game's most loved and loathed pantomime villains is back on the big stage. I mean, it's fair to say you're a fairly unique individual in the football world, a maverick. You kind of like playing that role, don't you? Nick? Oh, absolutely, yeah, why not? I've been a manager now 38 years. 50 years I've been in the game as a footballer as well. Things have changed drastically over the years, but have they changed drastically in management? I don't think so. I still think it's getting the best out of people and, and, and still enjoying yourself. And ruffling a few feathers. Well, that's how I am. I can't change my wife. A couple of years ago, we had an agreement that when I get fined, I have to pay her the same. <laughs> so I had to give in to that, really. I got fined that many times. I mean, the FA used to call me by my first name as I walked in the door. But I have to try and curb that. But it's difficult because I'm a passionate person. When you're underdog, you get a lot of decisions going against you, against the big teams in particular. So what do you want me to do? I can't sit on the bench and not say a word. I can't change now. You've got Guardiola parts two and three to look forward to. I look at their team and I just put I love them. My favourite player is David Silva. And he's not like Aguero who scores the goals and who's another one who's as good as anybody I've ever seen on the pitch. But when you look at De Bruyne and you look at Hazard at Chelsea and William, it's amazing to be in that category. But we won't look at them and think, wow, when we play it. Given that Cardiff came up, went right back down last time, what has to happen for it to be different this season? We needed a bit of luck on the injury front because we can't cater for our best players getting injured like the big club. They replace their best players with another international. So that's the difference. We are just on the bottom rung of the ladder. So we have to give it our best shot, but not be too disappointed if things don't go well. You said something fascinating that I love. You said... We've just got to go and enjoy it. We're favourites to finish bottom, but that suits us, actually. I don't think there'll have been bigger favourites in the history of the Premier League to finish bottom than us. And quite rightly so, because we shouldn't have a chance on the wage bill that we have and the money that we spend. But if you'd have told anybody last year that Cardiff City would get automatic promotion at 33-1 to 1 before, think, a, before a ball them. was kicked, then they'd have said you were looping. Not one Cardiff fan thought we would get promoted. But you told them they So were. I said at the end of the season when we had the open top bus ride, don't you at lot give me this stick now. Not one of you thought we would go up. So don't get on my back next year. Enjoy it. As if it's a bonus year for us. When the fans at Cardiff City sing, one Neil Warnock, one Neil Warnock, I mean, you're a man who's taken an incredible amount of abuse. You said earlier there's a reputation about Neil Warnock. But when you hear them, 33,000 saying there's only one Neil Warnock, what emotions do you feel inside? It's fabulous, and I'm not just saying this, but it was the same at Rotherham. I had a great, the fans were unbelievable, you couldn't believe what we did. Sheffield United fans, my club where I was a little kid watching them, take them up to the top. It's an amazing thing, that's what we're in the game for. We're in the game for when the referee blows the whistle and you've won the game, and you sit in your slipper bath, with a cup of tea, as I used to do at Sheffield United, and think about the kids like myself 
going home with the dads that night. Wow, dad, what about that shot, that goal, that save, that decision? That's what football's about. Life's too short. There's so many boring people around, so why not put smiles on people's faces? Listen, we're going to take a few drubbings, I know that, but we've got to get over that and get on to the next one. We can't let things like that dwell now. We've just got to use it as an experience because not many of these lads would ever thought they would play in the Premier League. And they're Premier League players now. You've changed their lives, you've changed their identity. Absolutely, and they'll never forget this rest of their life. That's what I like to think. I leave people with memory of my time at a club. And because you almost retired, because no one expected anything of you, because you're here in the Premier League, does it feel freeing in a way that you, Neil Warner, can do anything you want? Absolutely, yeah. The only thing, I wish I'd got another 50 million. Every manager wants another two players. (laughs) But... I don't think you could replicate what I have got because I have got satisfaction in myself. I've changed the lads' lives, I've changed the fans' expectations, I've changed the directors and the owner. It's a great place to be. And the number of people on the website that have said, well, if the worst come to the worst and we got relegated, who would you want to take us back up? Whether I've got the energy for that, I don't know. But I'm not thinking as negative as that. I just think there's another miracle in there somewhere. And... Make no mistake, it will be a miracle. It will be, and it'll be a testament to the true power of a collective. That's our only chance now. Your Wikipedia page has your life, your achievements, and then a section entitled Disputes that runs over 2,000 words, covers arguments with 17 players, other managers, a few clubs, referees, and even the actor Sean Bean. Oh, poor Sean Bean. Should we expect there's going to be a few more added by season 10? I'd be very surprised if there aren't. But the thing about arguments, well, not Sean Bean, but the others, in football people, when I argue with them, it's gone within an hour. Everything's gone then. There's nothing vindictive about that. You've seen my half-time talks, my full-time talk. I'll have a blast at a player, but when I go out the door, it's gone. Not like my wife. When I upset my wife, she doesn't talk to me for days. I'm not like that. Bury the hatchet and get on with it. Life's too short. So watch out Premier League. You're going to get arguments when decisions go against you or tackles. But it's not just my team. Other teams do the same thing. We can't just play the nice game and let these teams beat us. They expect us to be nice and let them beat us. We've got to find a way of upsetting teams and try and get results. Can I ask you, what does it feel like to have finally found a Premier League place where you are loved, Neil? You really are loved. I've been loved at the other clubs by the fans. I just haven't been supported by the people that own the clubs. The fans have been loved. Sheffield United were amazing fans and fabulous years and QPR were great. It's just been difficult that, unfortunately, certain owners think that when you get success, it's down to them and not the managers. There's a lot of jealousies involved in football. You have to move on and not worry too much. I don't dwell too much on the past now. Certain things always come back when certain games appear. But overall, you've got to get on with it. I've got to ask you this. You've been in the game for 50 years. You've been a manager for 39 years. You've had an amazing record. You've ground against the odds with true tenacity, mostly when everybody doubted you, often when you were reviled. But you've succeeded. Mm. What is the secret you draw from all of this? Anybody can do anything in life if they've got enough under the shirt and the desire It takes a lot to do that. You have to go through some rough waters to get there, but you've got to persevere. I think if you persevere and you've got the attitude, 
you have to want to get to the top. That's the and, most important and I think, Yeah, and I think school nowadays, I have a bit of a problem at times when I go and talk at schools because if they're not careful, they stop teaching you how to win a game of football. It's all about taking part in the niceties and things, but you still have to be a winner. Don't let's take everything out of sport at school. Coaches in school. A lot of coaches set out, we're going to start with the kids doing that, on to A, on to B, C, D, and finish on E. But if the kids can't crack A, you can't go on to B, C, D, and E. The art of coaching is just improve those kids in that session. That's the success. Don't look too far ahead. If the kids go away learning one thing, and you're a good coach. Perseverance, commitment, heart. I notice outside there's 40 Cardiff jerseys that the players are all signing, but there's a sticker right over the heart, because that's where you like to sign. I do. Anybody signs there, they get fined. Heart, is that? Correct. That's my career, really, in a nutshell. And I've enjoyed talking about it for a change. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Neil Warnock, ladies and gentlemen, that interview is part of the Promoted series, season two of the Promoted series, uh, my show which highlights all of the clubs, our new friends who've bare-knuckled ruled their way back into the Premier League this season. The first instalment, Fulham in America, Fulham, is available now on NBC Sports Gold. And the next one, which focuses on the Premier League's Portuguese diaspora. Yeah, Wolverhampton Wanderers will air Sunday, September the 23rd. Bloody hell, that's soon. Got to finish that edit at 1.30pm Eastern Time on NBCSN. And the episode on Cardiff City, which might just be my favourite because it features Mr Neil Warnock himself. That airs the following week, September 30th, 1.30pm Eastern Time on NBCSN. That's the good news. Now, brace yourself, dear listener, for the bad. Some would say the terrible apocalyptic. The Men in Blazers show. It returns this Monday at 5.30pm Eastern Time on NBCSN for our pre-Yom Kippur special. We've got the amazing, and he is amazing, right? J-Dubs, he's amazing. Keegan-Michael Key is going to stop by the panic room. I'm putting that in the future tense. He stopped by the panic room about 10 days ago, and he was amazing. He was amazing. Key and Peel fans, let's just say that he reprised Luther, the anger translator for Jose Mourinho, and it was a marvel. It was an honour to witness. We'll leave it at that. Until the next time, dear listener, GFOP, courage. <laughs>